0: bring it in read option back after what seemed like the most normal weekend in football we've had all year in a year where uh, shit hits the fan uh just seemingly every single week We had a relatively normal week with pretty much most of the outcomes that we expected, a couple of barn burners uh, and a couple of spreads that barely got covered or didn't, depending on which side you were on. Uh, Scotty's here. No veto. My man swamped up with work. Did golf with him on Friday, which is great. Had my first eagle of the year. Almost rolled in an albatross on Friday, Scotty. Wow. Yeah. Missed it by an inch.
1: Yeah. So, do you think the Eagles are going to miss the being undefeated by an inch? Well, I don't
0: care if they go undefeated. I actually, I kind of hope that they don't go undefeated. <laughs> the added pressure of being the team that goes undefeated going into the playoffs, uh, that seems awful. Just that's, if I'm being honest,
1: that's great, man. It's like you just need to see one drop like that. I feel like that's kind of how I feel gambling uh, so far this year. Yeah. Uh, I've been on a, a bit of a schneid for anyone that's uh, keeping track uh of of our picks this year uh in both college and the NFL i just i feel like i need to see one drop
0: yeah but your your picks are literally like you're like 25 to 30 games ahead of me in Vito. i'm 10 yeah, games but- I, i'm like 10 or 15 ahead of veto and you're still like 20 25 ahead of me like you you
1: should you should see the cards that i'm actually putting money on it's uh i just need to see one fall like well, a like a three point sheer that gets cold.
0: that is true i did have my first money line parlay hit this uh i i got all four of the late late games on a parlay it was like a $4 bet that won me like i think it was like 65 bucks or something so yeah. uh yeah loved that that was i ne- needed that for the for the gambling and not that i'm a big gambler anyway i mean a couple bucks here and there on a game but um today is halloween that we're recording this uh y'all are listening to this november 1st or or post but um we were talking before the show and scott you have the worst halloween take uh, I've heard in a while, um, and it's making me question our friendship a little, a little bit. Um, you hate like not just like eh, it's like it is what it is, not indifferent. You hate giving out candy to kids on Halloween.
1: Not a fan. No, it's just weird. Like I, I don't, I don't want kids. I mean, they can come to the door. I don't care. I'd rather leave it out on the porch and, and say, please take one. You don't trust worst. kids, so. And, but uh, look, I don't. Uh, you know, it's a whole thing. They come to the door. The usually, if they're small, the parents are there. It's like a whole, you know. Ah, just take the candy and go. I don't need to be Dude. getting up, especially if there's football on. You know, I don't need to get up from watching the Monday night football game tonight. Every you, five seconds with it's kids, it's so
0: easy. It's, it's so just, easy. You you a you sit outside, especially when the weather's pretty decent, like we have this year. You set your laptop up. You sit on the front porch. You pour yourself a beer or a cocktail or wine or whatever you're drinking. You watch Monday Night Football and you spend the, the 10 seconds it takes to give a little kid who this is like their favorite night of the year. And you're doing this to not just one kid, do it to like a hundred kids who are going to stop by. And you're going to be the guy that leaves the, the freaking bowl out that says, Please take one with like the dumb, double underline under the one.
1: <sighs> Yeah, uh, like we're full size candy bars. It's this year. It's my wife does these these uh, goody bags like you'd get at a at a kids party. Uh, so,
0: Sung is a good person.
1: Yeah, you're not you know, <laughs> hand them out. The dog freaks out. It's just it's a oh whole thing goodness. now. I oh. I can't wait till I have kids and we're t- we're you know carrying them around. I've seen people in our neighborhood do uh, for the adults. They'll hand out like Jello shots. That's what I want to get into. Get that while we're taking the kids you around. You can do uh, that though. You can be the one that's
0: providing said jello shots for the adults.
1: Eh, it's, it's you a can whole have lot the. You can have
0: the. It's not a whole lot of work. It's literally so little work to make Halloween. children happy.
1: Yeah, but I want to watch the Great Pumpkin tonight, and you it's going watch, to get interrupted.
0: <laughs> you watching Bangles Browns is more important than making a child's Halloween night better.
1: No, not that. It's yes, that's football. exactly what it is. No, I don't care about that. It's it's just, you know, it's a whole thing. Whatever. Unbelievable. Candy. Unprompted,
0: candy. You, you shared this too. Like, you're like, I, I want to be an old man and be an angry old man so bad that I'm going to share this. When I said that, oh, yeah, I'm going to be handing out
1: candy to the trick-or-treaters in my neighborhood.
0: I'm sad that we're probably going to have like five to ten
1: kids. You know what though I I I really do get into speaking of uh, angry old man like dadish. Uh, I just want to decorate outside and scare the absolute living crap out of kids coming to the porch. Like dress up as a scarecrow, sit on the porch and be like, Wah! You know? See? I'm all that about that. Fun.
0: <laughs> that is 10 times as much work as just the candy part of it.
1: Uh you go all in or you don't go at all. That's a, that's what I'm saying.
0: Man, this is such a terrible take. This is you're just you're just
1: you're Happy man. Halloween.
0: You're an angry old man, Scotty <laughs> expected more out of you. All right. Uh, so let's, it. let's get into the football from this weekend. Um, like I said, we, we had the read
1: option sweep. We did have <laughs> the read that? option
0: sweep. Hasn't happened much this year with how terrible the Broncos are. Um, I know my team's, you know, been, you know, working towards that every single week, but uh, no one else has been contributing quite as much. Um, but your boys look good. The Broncos Sunday morning, um, didn't look good but they got a win uh and the eagles looked fantastic so uh things are definitely uh looking good at least in philly and san francisco hopefully and we'll get into those games later uh the week started like i said in the intro this week was the first week where it felt like the right team won in the majority of games you know like ravens bucks right people with how those teams have played this year like the bucks have looked like the better football team i are the ravens have looked like the better football team i expected Mm -hmm. them to win even the broncos and jags like the broncos defense is legitimately like a top tier nfl defense the offense has been terrible the jags are kind of meh on both sides of the ball they're young and they're still growing but like for the most part both sides of the ball broncos jags i expected like the best unit of those two teams is the Broncos defense. So I would give them the nod, even though I did pick Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, Falcons were the better team. Cowboys, Dolphins and, for the most part, just felt and like a the a couple of, team
1: a couple of New York teams who, uh, as Denny Green once said, uh, they are who we thought they are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Roger, and,
0: and that's kind of what we thought going into this week too, was, <laughs> are we going to see the jets kind of hold on here? Um, obviously the lack of Elijah Vera Tucker, and Brees Hall was uh, very much on display. Zach Wilson looked terrible going up against the Pats. Uh, and then same thing uh, with the Giants, where it was like the Giants had been playing perfect football, right? They weren't beating themselves. They weren't making little mistakes. They have two muffed punts in this game, and it completely cost them uh, the game down the stretch. And, and the Seahawks, man, the Seahawks might be really good. So we'll, we'll get to all that. We'll start with Thursday night. Uh, Lamar pulls out the win. The Bucks at this point, man, the Bucs, I think, are, are pretty damn close to cooked. Um, Brady officially announced the divorce, which obviously we've all known about for a while now, but is the first public comment by either he or Giselle about the whole thing. I just I have to imagine the emotional, mental, you know, turmoil that his brain is going through right now yeah. makes it even for Tom Brady, the ultimate competitor, makes it hard. In addition to the fact that he's got a terrible offensive line. His weapons, I mean, yeah, Mike Evans will still put up decent stat lines here and there, but the offense looks boring and predictable. There's nothing exciting. It feels like they're just doing the same basic play sheets uh, that that you would see in a Madden game. There's no creativity. You're not seeing the pre-snap motion. Just a boring offense. And then on on the uh, Ravens side, you look at them. Mark Andrews leaves that game in the first half, right? Uh, Rashad Bateman leaves that game. I mean, their top two pass catchers basically are gone. No uh, JK Dobbins and it's the Gus Edwards show. Right. And and they put up 200 yards rushing between Lamar and some of the other guys in that lineup. Baltimore is going to be a team that's going to stick around and, and I think win some games. Um, but this feels like the beginning of the end of the season for, for Tampa Bay worked up until this point. There was still that thought like it's still Tom Brady. They're going to be able to turn it around, but given where they're at right now, I I can't see them being much of a contender
1: moving forward. Well, but the weird part is that they are in the mix. Like the NFC is just that, you know, mediocre that Tampa Bay is actually still in the mix, I think. And especially in a weak division, we'll talk about the Panthers and Falcons later, but one of those two teams is in first place right now in that division. So I, I think, when when it boils down to it uh part of it is obviously the mental's going going through tom brady and that that whole operation runs through him let's be clear um and the other is you know x's and o's wise like when when the bucks looked good on offense last night or thursday night was when they started to run the ball and they did it with a, with a little effect on the first couple of drives. They they had some success in the run game, and it opened up some of the the play action stuff that they haven't been able to do recently. Uh, and then they just shot away from it for through throughout the rest of the game. Leonard Fournette ending up with nine carries, twenty four yards in that early touchdown. I, I don't understand why you would, you know, something's working and opening up the offense for you. It looked a little more dynamic. I mean, you get play action plays where you got Godwin over the middle that runs, uh, runs the ball inside the five on, on a big like 40 yard play action pass. That kind of stuff is what changes the momentum for Tom Brady and allows him to, to slow in the pocket, hang on, uh, take his time, be able to make the right decision, which is something we haven't seen in the first seven weeks of the year. Eight, including this one. Uh, it, it looks rushed. It looks different. It looks human. Uh, and so I think that that Tampa Bay needs to go back to that. I know they're having offensive line struggles, but you need to commit to it so that you can open up things. It's not about whether or not you know Leonard Fournette has 120 yards on the ground every week and a touchdown or two. It's, it's about what that opens up uh, for the rest of the offense.
0: But committing to it when you don't have the personnel to run it, you're just beating the same dead horse, and that's what this offense feels like. Because they've also had weeks where they're running the ball 25, 30 times a game. And those games, the offense looks just as bad. There's it's just boring in a world where we're seeing the Mike McDaniels of Mike McDaniels of the world and Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and all these really smart. I mean, hell, even what the Eagles are doing with Sirianni, like they're creative. They're coming up with unique individual things. And right now, Tampa Bay is just consistently boring and we've seen it since the beginning of the year when they played Dallas like they scored 19 points against Dallas it was one touchdown and uh I guess what uh five field goals three field or four field goals it was yeah it was a touchdown four field goals right now this offense just has no juice to it whatsoever and Leftwich, who people are like how has Brian Leftwich not gotten head coaching opportunities you know in the offseason it's not too dissimilar to what happened in Dallas with Kellen Moore, where it was like burst onto the scene, really creative. The offense is working. Everything's gelling. But I mean, Cameron Brait was the best tight end option for them. They have, they basically have no one playing tight end right now. Um, you yeah. know, the, the 40 year old Kyle Rudolph is basically the best you're getting. Um, and then other than that, I mean, Mike Evans, he's still putting up decent numbers. Surprisingly, like he's the 25th highest graded wide receiver, according to PFF right now, but, I, I don't know. This then, offense is. There's, just...
1: there's, yeah, it's boring. And there's the other element, too, that, like, when you think about it at the end of the day, right? Uh, it's an underachieving team uh, for the talent that they have. And I know it's a little early to start talking about this, considering we just wrapped up week eight. We're approaching halfway in the season. But, like, I don't know. If, if it keeps rolling like this, you have a uh, 40, four-year-old quarterback that uh, is not looking good, you might want to consider, you know, doing your part to uh, to make sure that you're up at the top of the draft for one of these good quarterbacks to, to take over the reins after next year when he's a free agent.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, again, Tom Brady, I think, is, is done. I mean, other than Brady, we're talking about um, Kyle Trask, I think, is the only one. The other thing that's interesting, um, this Tampa Bay team, is the defensive inconsistency. Uh, they were overall got a 44 grade by PFF on uh, in week eight against Baltimore. Uh, by far their worst outing of the night. This the one thing that it seemed like Tampa Bay could do consistently was stop the run. Um, they had one of the worst run defenses in of the season, uh, according to PFF this last week, and and that's with I mean I know was it Levante David who got hurt. Um, so that obviously hurts a ton. I just – this team, like, I see – I feel more confident that the Rams could turn it around. I feel more confident that Green Bay could turn it around and make a run at the playoffs. Now, you're right. Their division gives them a really good chance to potentially find their way into the playoffs still. But even if they are, even if they come in as the fourth seed winning in the NFC South and they go up against Dallas as the five seed, yeah. you know, they're going to get – they're going to fucking shit-pumped. You know, I, and and Dallas looked really good offensively, too. Baltimore on the other side, too, like. They're just going to be a gritty team that finds ways to hang around games. Um, but he, even still, it felt like they were going to blow this game away. This was a game yeah, that. It, and it's
1: the, it's the same story all that it's been all year, right? Yeah. In the fourth quarter in particular.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting for a team that. And, and look, they did a really good job running the ball um in the second half last week and throughout the whole game but um it felt like they were forced to do that because mark andrews was out because rashad bateman left the game and they're like all right well lamar carry us there you know we're gonna use your legs we're gonna use go back to what made that offense that high analytics just run all the time with lamar because it was so efficient the more they get back to that the more scary i think they are and i know there are going to be games where lamar has to air it out for them to win especially if they're playing the Bills or if they're playing Kansas City. But you can see what happens against a good run defense when you say, hey, no, like Lamar is just going to single-handedly take us there. They're a really hard team to beat. Um, And they played well enough there in in the fourth quarter to to pull that one out. Uh, Moving to Sunday morning, we had that Broncos-Jags game. Uh, Broncos 21, Jags 17. The Jags outplayed Denver in this game, Um, I, I thought from start to finish. Uh, by the way, Dan Orlovsky on the call. I want him to do play-by-play for NFL games. His in-game announcing and in the yeah. tidbits,
1: the analysis is so good.
0: But he also reacts like a per- like a like a personality, like almost like a radio personality, where he gives some flavor and and he'll he'll flat out say like I don't know what they're doing here like this and he gets like animated and upset by it. I think it adds a lot of energy to a to a 9:30 or 9 a.m. kickoff in London. That game had a lot of juice behind it, and I really did feel like Orlovsky was a huge reason why. And in addition to that, he also gives great breakdowns. Um, Russ still doesn't look good. Look, I know he had the last the, the drive in the fourth quarter. That looked great, right? That looked more like vintage Russ, but the first three and a half quarters up until then, he didn't look good at all. He's still missing wide open reads. He's still and and maybe it's just a little bit of comp like he just needs to get more and more comfortable in this offense, but we're eight games into the season now, right? We we had training camp, you had OTAs, you had mini camp, you had training camp, you had preseason, and now we've had eight games, and now he's still just barely seeing some of the things that this offense is clearly opening up for him. There was a, a deep cross pattern on a – it was like a third and six uh, in the second half where uh, they had a safety valve that ran uh, in the running back who basically ran like almost like a screen route and snuck out after – Um, It's a hesitation route So we stayed in, blocked for a couple seconds And then leaks out into the flat And if Russ held on to Literally held on the ball for two more seconds The offensive line did an unbelievable job Of opening up the passing lane for the primary receiver Who was running it, it was KJ Hamler Running a deep drag across the field He was wide open And the anticipation throw that Russ Should have seen, and this is from like the sky cam View right behind Russ's viewpoint KJ Hamler would have been either gone or at least would have been like a 60 yard pickup Russ doesn't see it instead tries to force like a shovel pass or like a little flick pass in between the D the offensive defensive lines to get it out to the safety valve it gets batted down I mean it's just little things that he's just not seeing the field right now he's just not seeing it and they'll look they they're lucky they got away with a big play Patrick Sertan has been unbelievable that defense has been really really good um but at some point they're gonna have to they're gonna have to make a change. I don't know. Like I how how many times can we sit up, up here on Monday yeah. and say, oh, they need to make a change, they gotta do something else. I just I just think and it's even, Russ. I just think it's a Russ issue.
1: Even when they do get down to the red zone in particular, but even inside the the goal line, everybody in the world knows what's coming. They're not gonna throw the ball with Russ inside of the 10-yard line. Uh, that has been proven, and I think a lot of that is, A, the way Hackett is operating his offense, B, the uh, the obvious history that Russ has in a big moment uh, throwing the ball on the goal line, and, and and C, just the fact that Russ is not reading it right now. So they're going to run the ball four times when they're by the goal line and hope that one of those guys gets in, whether it's Latavius Murray, Melvin Gordon, who both had touchdowns in those situations uh, on on Sunday morning. But like that's not sustainable, and it's not sustainable in the division particularly where you're playing really tough defensive lines most of the time. They got away with it twice uh, this week against against the bank or the uh, the Jaguars. Wrong big cat, my bad. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, but it's not sustainable uh, it, it, by any stretch it, it, when all eleven defensive players and, and all seventy thousand people in the stands know what you're going to do. Uh, in that situation, there's there's no way you can you you can continue that way.
0: And it's interesting too because when he lets it rip and the deep balls out, like Russ still clearly has that. Um, and even when he scrambles, but like his career rushing stats, he, I saw them here. Is like he averaged, I think it was like 200 or 300 something yards a season, and it was like 31 rushing yards a game over his career, and that's down to 12 so far this season.
1: Well, um, and, and but part of that was in Seattle where he was scrambling to get avoid a sack, but because still the, the offensive line was bad.
0: But electric Russ, like the Russ that was his best version of himself, was the guy who was still making plays with his feet and and being getting moving outside of the pocket. Like they have to find ways to get him outside of the pocket, or he has to be willing to do that, which is the other thing, which I don't know if he is. Mm-hmm. Um, my burning question for this game, the Jags here. Do we give a full courtesy year for Trevor Lawrence, given how tumultuous the first half the first year of his career was with urban Meyer?
1: Yeah, I am. I mean, that situation was horrible. Um, it was horrible to bring anyone in, let alone, a a 23 year old kid, uh, who's a rookie in the NFL. Uh, Um, I mean, that was, that was some of the most dysfunction I've ever seen, uh, In in an organization, let alone in a in a professional sports team, uh, and so the fact that like people you know are seriously calling for Urban Meyer to to be their next head coach in college, get out of here with that crap. But uh, but yeah, I I I think you know a year under the belt with with Doug Peterson, uh, I think has already done wonders. I I I, there's a lot more growing that Trevor Lawrence has to do, um. I think they need to utilize him a, a little differently too. Like he's best when he's on the move, rolling out of the pocket, using his legs to uh, to make plays, similar to to how Russell Wilson was. Um, and then he has the the super strong arm and 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 uh, great intellect to uh, to figure out what's going on in the field. Um, so yeah, I give him I give him the the benefit of the doubt a little uh, a little gap here there, uh, so to speak, in this first year.
0: Is there a chance that Urban Meyer ruined him completely? Because so here, because this is the way I look at it, right? He didn't lose a game in high school his last two years. He lost, I believe, three games in total during his time as a starter at Clemson.
1: And two of them in the national championship. Two of them in
0: national (laughs) championships. So that's five years of playing quarterback where this dude just never had any sort of adversity. You know, he never had to have the, the Andrew Luck plays at Stanford when he was running over linebackers just to give his team a fighting chance. And those Stanford teams were really good, but Luck was, you know, Luck elevated everyone around him. Whereas I'm not saying that Trevor Lawrence didn't elevate the people around him, but he had a lot more to work with than a guy like Andrew Luck, who was, a you know, the guy that everyone compared him to coming out of college. The can't miss guy. Most can't miss prospects since Andrew Luck kind of, you know, player. And that's the prospect that he was sold to be coming out of college. And I wonder, and we talk about, and when we had Ryan Leaf on the pod, I talked to him about this, right? The personality side of it. And what I love about Trevor Lawrence is he, he very much is never gets too high, never gets too low. He's very much like just calm, steady. And I think that bodes well, but at the same time, you never know it's boiling down underneath. We never know how frustrated he is. We, you know, and I'd have to imagine there's a lack of confidence that comes with the way that his NFL career has started where if this was last year, his true rookie year, he would be able to build off of it. But now it's been, you know, a full 17 games last year and we're eight games into the season. Trevor Lawrence has played, you know, 24 games, 25 games in the NFL. Uh, At this point, I would be a little bit concerned that hey, how many of these bad habits? How, how much is being around that kind of environment going to affect him long term? I still hold out hope because I do think he's incredibly talented, but that is one of the things where hey, you're a camp miss prospect. You're coming from a team that was loaded. Like he played like look at the wide receivers he's played he played with at Clemson. You know he's got four of them that are in the NFL yeah. right now. And one that of them is those his hit. running back and ETN. is <laughs> on he's, the same team too. He had great <laughs> offensive lines. He had an amazing defense that always bailed him out. I'm worried that just never having to go up in that against that kind of adversity in his football career, he's not only learning to adjust the NFL, but he's also learning how to lose for the first time, really, while playing football at a high level, not just peewee football. And even still, if my guess is he probably didn't lose many of those games either. So uh, I just think it's an interesting yeah. conversation because I, I want him to do well, but we've seen NFL careers
1: be ruined from one season. Right. Yeah, but and if you're giving Doug Peterson the benefit of the doubt, because of the fact of of the matter is that he's coached a quarterback whisperer. Right, is essentially what we're what we've called him. Uh, And and so it's hard enough to come into as a new coach. First of all, he's off a couple years uh, after after he left the Eagles, and now he's coming back into a new role, a new uh, a new system new organization and he's trying to instill uh you know his culture and his imprint upon upon the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's hard to take and I'm trying to to think of this holistically it's hard to take all of the potential disaster or or uh wrong that Urban Meyer had had you know uh had given while he was there, uh particularly to to Trevor Lawrence and just completely 180 that upside down uh, while you're trying to also instill, you know, your culture and your your imprint on the on the football team. So again, another year, like now na- I think next year is the year where you're like, okay, settled into uh to the new franchise after a 17-game season. Did or did not, you know, like what we did. Here's what we need to fix from a team standpoint. And hey, Trevor, here's how we can fix you yeah right
0: no i mean i think that all sounds great and but i also and we have some breaking news i want to get to here in a second but um the one thing too with trevor lawrence and and you said this about doug peterson being a quarterback whisperer i love doug i'll love him forever for the super bowl there's not a whole lot of examples of him being much of a quarterback whisperer he had that 11 game stretch with carson where carson was unbelievable and then they tailored the offense to nick Foles, and the eagles went on a magical run other than that, there hasn't been a whole lot of Doug Peterson like quarterback whispering. He wasn't in Kansas City when they drafted Mahomes. He had nothing to do with that, but I think he kind of gets lumped into that. He was already the head coach in Philly when, when they drafted Mahomes. So I just I, I love Doug. I hope it works out, but I think, and, and I said this a lot, you know, when they fired Urban Meyer, Doug Peterson would be the perfect guy to, to, to bring in and I hope it works out, but I think there's a bigger hill to climb there um, than not. So, anyway, this this uh, breaking news. Roquan Smith dealt to the Baltimore Ravens. Whoa. Uh, that is a huge get for Baltimore. Uh, you're going to pair him next to Patrick Queen. That's a nasty linebacker. Um, and it helps them a lot. Uh, compensation for that, I think it was, a se- I believe, a second and fourth. Um, that's it. Sorry. Second and fifth round picks, uh, to get Roquan Smith, who is in a contract year. So, uh, Baltimore will likely either give him the contract or let him test for agency. My guess is since they gave up the compensation, they're going to try to sign him to a deal. Uh, great fit with that scheme. Uh, and I I've said it before. I think he, him and, uh, Fred w- uh, Warner are the two best linebackers in the NFL. Um, really, really awesome pickup for a Baltimore team that, you know, defensively is going to need some, some elite talent there. And they grabbed one there with Roquan Smith. So uh, any thoughts right off the bat there, Scotty, before we move on?
1: Yeah, that's a huge uh, trade. Who did I, uh, we were talking, I was talking about him last week, uh, a team that, that could acquire him. Was it Denver? No, it couldn't have been Denver. I forget who um, all buns together. Anyway, uh, that's, that's a value add for for any measure and to only give up a second and a fourth that's big like look, you're going to have to Second pay him obviously. Uh yeah, I mean, that's that's great value. I mean good for them and if you need a quarterback streamer or a running back streamer take whoever's playing the Bears uh in fantasy cuz their defense yeah. is depleted after yeah. Robert Quinn uh, and now last Roquan week Smith. and now Roquan Smith yeah. He's
0: he's going to look awesome in the in the All Blacks for Baltimore. Oh yeah. yeah. He's he's yeah. I mean uh, talk about a, a place with a history of good linebackers. Uh he's going to fit in just fine there with the uh with the purple and black there in Baltimore. Uh, all right, next up here, game of the day, Carolina and Atlanta, overtime thriller, P.J. Walker with that absolute bomb. It uh, was a I li- dime. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was listening to the game as I was driving yesterday and then got out of the car, saw that uh, Atlanta had had stuffed. I think it was a turnover on downs late in the fourth quarter, but Atlanta had gotten the ball back. Uh, it looked like that was going to be the end of the game. And then I sit down and I pulled, once, uh, once I got to the place, I was going, Pulled up the TV to watch, and all all of a sudden, the game's tied. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? And they were showing the replay, and yeah, P.J. Walker just unhinged an absolute missile about 60 yards downfield. D.J. Moore makes an unreal catch, sends the game to overtime. Then we Ah, have the dramatics. But it was uh, his
1: mistake that cost them. (laughs)
0: Takes takes the helmet off, should have been game. uh, Takes the helmet off, adds a 15-yard penalty there for unsportsmanlike conduct pushes the the kicker back. He shanks it Cairo Santos and then uh, uh, Pinero. Pinero. Uh, Eddie Piñero. Sorry. Got my got my Hispanic uh, Latin American kickers mixed up. Um but uh, Eddie Pinero misses the extra point and then and overtime Carolina picks off Marcus Mariota. They march it down the field they have an easy chip in field goal and Eddie Pinero misses that one too only for the Falcons to go down and then Young Way does what Youngboy does, which is drill game winners. The Falcons now in first place at four and four in the NFC South.
1: Figure that uh, one out.
0: <laughs> burning question here, and this is a Falcons team that is banged up like bad with injuries. They finally got Kyle Pitts involved in the uh, in the passing game this week too. Once they get uh, Cordell Patterson back, are the Falcons the team to beat in the NFC South? I don't think it's that ridiculous to bring it up at this point.
1: No, I don't think it is either. <clears throat> we saw how well they played with Cordero in uh, in the lineup. They beat uh, a couple of good teams at the beginning of the year. Um, as long as they, they continue to stick with what they're doing, uh, obviously something is working uh, on the offensive end with being able to wrinkle Mariota's running ability. Plus, I mean, he's just looked really good throwing the ball uh, this year as well. Um, they have enough weapons, even if you're talking about role guys, like Demir Bird, who had a big game uh drake london has been pretty quiet over the past couple of weeks uh after after exploding onto the scene in week what was like three or four um Alagier is good out of the backfield in both capacities running and catching the ball um uh, caleb huntley isn't is a super effective runner so they have depth now with cordero patterson coming back uh what i believe is it next week or the week after. Um,
0: should be in and the so next I, couple of weeks, yeah. Yeah,
1: I think if they commit to that, they can stay healthy on defense. They've done just enough defensively uh, to keep them in ball games, and then the offense does what they do. And they've got one of the best kickers in the game in the tight game. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's out of the question at all. Uh, in in this week division, uh, like I know you got Tom Brady, but we've said for the better uh, all of eight weeks this year, at some point it has to turn around. At some point it has to turn around for them, and it still hasn't. So. Uh, now it's uh, instead of prove it to me until you can't uh, in, in terms of winning, it's prove it to me that you until you can't in terms of losing uh, for for Tom Brady and the Bucks. So I think it's it's well within reach uh, for for the Falcons uh, in that division. They they look to me the most complete team uh, to be sure in the, in the NFC South.
0: And their schedule the rest of the way, it's really not that difficult. Uh, they play. Home against the Chargers this week. Chargers coming off a bye, but we know J.C. Jackson's out. Uh, Pretty much everyone on that team other than Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler are out. So that's a very winnable game for the Falcons. Then it's at Carolina, home against Chicago, at Washington, home Pittsburgh, at New Orleans, uh, at Baltimore, and then you have the Cardinals and Bucks to wrap up the season. Those are all winnable games. The hardest one on that schedule is definitely at Baltimore. But other than that, I think they're going to win most of those games, and I think they're probably going to finish right in that eight and nine, nine and eight slot. They're sitting here at four and four. I mean, you figure Chicago, Washington, Pittsburgh; those are pretty good to consider them as locks. You have Carolina at, so it's they go um, the Chargers this weekend, and then Carolina immediately after, so they play Carolina twice in a three-week stretch. Um yeah, it was a three Thursday weekend night, stretch right? at least, in right? Two yeah. Weeks. Um, yeah, it is. So yeah, within two weeks of, of playing Carolina, they're going to play them again on Thursday night in Carolina. That's a winnable game too. So that's four wins right there. That gets them to eight wins. And that's assuming that they don't pull off another win against someone like the chargers, the saints, Baltimore, Arizona, or Tampa Bay, which I think all of those again, which even Baltimore with the way they've looked this year, that's a winnable game. Uh, I think they should be the front runners here and I think they're only going to get better. Um, I, I like this Atlanta team. If you look at some of the advanced numbers on them, like the, the misuse of Kyle Pitts and Drake London for the amount of draft capital that they put in him, considering that like they could have drafted Micah Parsons and instead they drafted Kyle Pitts third overall or fourth overall, whatever it was. Like You could have had Micah Parsons. And look, we can play the what-if game all we want. That's not necessarily how it works. Everyone thought when Kyle Pitts was coming out, this is a can't-miss guy. And he's still really, really good but they're definitely playing to their quarterback strengths as opposed to their roster strengths. And it's winning them football games. Um, I don't know if they're going to win out or or win how many more games, but considering the the downfall that the Bucs have had so far this year, I would pick the Falcons right now to be the favorites to win out the NFC South. Um, Yeah, I mean, they're right now the number 12th graded team overall in um, a PFF uh trying to find they're the fourth highest rated offense according to pff uh and their defense is definitely down the list a little bit gotta get down here um sorry doing on the fly researches uh, has its has its troubles but um why can't i find the atlanta falcons here what are we doing pff um the 26th ranked defense so the 26th ranked defense fourth rated offense their offense can move the ball. They can run the ball to really efficient clip. And they were so banged up this week. It's it's impressive. The, the Panthers credit to them, man, because that's a team that could have very easily folded over. Um, and right now they're fighting and keeping themselves in, in games. And they're going to be a team too, that throughout the season, there's going to be at least one or two more games where they upset somebody and and, and make some noise. Um, all right, let's move on now. Chicago loses by 20 to the Cowboys. Um, But, Scotty, I don't know how you felt. Maybe it's just because that second quarter really made it kind of close. At one point, I think it was a four-point game. It was 21-17 to where the Bears were within striking distance. I wasn't overall, like, that impressed with the Cowboys. The offense looked really good. But keep in mind who they were playing. This Bears defense had no life, no juice to it. They're obviously going to be even worse now without Roquan Smith. But no Robert Quinn. They lose their captain of that defense in Robert Quinn. and Now they come in a week later after a big win. The letdown spot for them makes sense. But the Cowboys defense, this vaunted Cowboys defense, which is really nasty. They can get after the pass rusher. When you just kind of take it to them on the ground, I think they're going to be beatable. Now, if their offense continues to look like they did on Sunday, it's going to be a really hard team to beat. No question about that. Um, The Cowboys obviously have a lot of speed. Uh, They have a lot of talent on that defensive side of the ball. And the offense with Dak, who looks significantly better, um, I think makes the Cowboys a threat to to be one of the best teams in the NFC. But seeing that the two losses um, and, and just even the offenses that have given the Cowboys trouble this year, it's been on the ground. Even going back to week one with Tampa Bay, where Tampa Bay was able to force some things on the ground. Uh, Philly obviously being able to force some things on the ground. And then Chicago with Justin Fields was able to move the ball pretty well against them. Yeah. That might be the recipe where it's like, hey, we're going to because this is why we both took the Bears to cover. Now, we didn't expect the offensive explosion uh, that the Cowboys had, but you can run after these guys. You just kind of have to commit to it and you have to have a mobile quarterback, which uh, there yeah, are teams that's... In, in the league that have it.
1: That's the sauce, dude. Is the uh, is the mobile quarterback? Because what I saw out of the Bears' offense was a little more, uh, a little more college oriented. Uh, you know, a lot of lot of read option, a lot of just rolling Justin Fields out and, and making him run. And there were option passes, uh, designed option passes for for receivers to have different routes running, um, and it opened a lot of things up for them. They got they got beat by a, a couple of, of self inflicted. Uh, wounds on the on the turnovers there they had two fumbles i think uh each of the starting running backs had one um and, and so you don't know, you don't need to you know if you're committed to not letting or not throwing the ball as much uh and and whether that's because of of your franchise's history of wanting to just keep, continue to run the ball that's our identity uh or you know trust your quarterback or whatever the case may be uh it, it's it's it works when you when you're able to to open up everything like that uh, in the offense that that Justin Fields did on uh, on uh, Sunday.
0: You're also you're just keeping you're keeping them on their heels. Right. That's one of the reasons why offensive linemen prefer run blocking than pass blocking, because that means they can be on the offensive. It means they can get after the guys, you know, on that defensive line. But it also puts you can either run the ball away from Micah Parsons or you can do what. The, the bears did in this game what the eagles did in their game against chicago or against dallas where hey we're going to ski on him. Yeah. And, and make him the key guy he's the read Micah parsons and you also have to have a really good offensive line like the cowboys are going to be it's hard to to go up against them but the bears have arguably the worst offensive line in football and they still put up 29 which is the most points that the, the cowboys have given up this year now again that being said for the majority of teams particularly in the nfc The Cowboys are going to be fine. I think they're going to end up winning probably 12 games this year, if not more. Um, That game against Philly is going to be really big uh, to close out the season, unless Philly already has the one seed locked up. So, uh, I don't know. I just was surprised that the Bears of all teams, and it kind of confirmed my hypothesis going into the game, which is that if you have a mobile quarterback and you commit to the run, I think you can kind of just run at these guys because Leighton Vander Esch is not a particularly good run style. He's not that good. He's just not that good. But you have Micah Parsons who scares the shit out of you, and you have Demarcus Lawrence who's had a really good bounce back year. But if you use him as the key and you have a really, really good athlete and you're on the offensive and you're forcing Micah Parsons to make a decision, you're going to beat him a lot of the time in those QB read option, those zone read handoffs, more often, maybe not more often than not, but at least half the time. Uh, And in cases like Jalen Hurts, someone who's elite at those, you know, those option zone handoffs, uh, whether or not to keep it his decision making. I know Orlovsky had a tweet this week that Jalen Hurts is the best decision maker in the NFL. So maybe that's what it's going to take. Or maybe if they go up against a Kansas City or a Buffalo, where you have to do with Mahomes and Allen and these like next level quarterbacks? It could be different. But having that mobility and also being able to run the ball and being strong up front, I think the Cowboys can be had a little bit. Uh, but now that their offense seems to be clicking, it makes them that much scarier yeah. of a team for sure.
1: And it's uh, it started. It's going to be November, uh, so just keep Ezekiel Elliott on the bench. Tony Pollard absolutely went off. Uh, 14 carries, 131 yards. He's averaging nine and a half and three touchdowns. That dude is as advertised. Like it's not just fantasy hype. Like oh, pick him up because uh, he's he's an elite back. It's good handcuff to have uh, in case uh, Zeke gets injured. BS he's a legit one back and i've said this for the last 2 years so uh it, it's it's hard when you're mixing those guys in right you're balancing out those carries but again it's so it's a lot of what we talked about last week for the cowboys on offense it's making dak efficient 21 of 27 250 and two touchdowns that's yeah. that's that's a sweet spot and then you you get the running game going i mean that that offense is going to be tough to stop if if they keep producing at that level
0: and they'll get tyron smith back at some point presumably this year as well and that should help strengthen the offensive line uh all right next up here dolphins lions another heartbreaker for the lions uh 27 points all in the first half as they lose by four the miami dolphins who uh just barely by the skin of their chinny chin chin cover the spread at three and a half um I really thought the Lions were going to come out, and, and with the way they looked in the first half going up 14-0, I thought for sure this was a, yep, this is the Dolphins that I thought. But then slowly as the game progressed, they just got better and better. Uh, Tyreek Hill is just ridiculous at this point. The fact that he's still producing at this high of a level, he's still so explosive. Um, he's so far has been worth every single penny of that contract. And Jalen Waddell is your number two. The explosiveness on this offense is still legit. My question to you, Scotty, is what is the ceiling for this Miami team, right? Is the ceiling for them going to a Super Bowl? Because there's times where their offense looks like this is a Super Bowl caliber offense, and the defense, when they show up, can play well enough to be in that same conversation.
1: Yeah, I just think of the teams you're going to run into on the path there. Um uh... You know, and, and even, you know, take a team that's in their division, that's at the top of their division, the Buffalo Bills, that defense, if there was a defense that could stop or limit the explosiveness of of that offense when they're when they're peaking, uh, of the Miami Dolphins, it's the Buffalo Bills defense.
0: even in um, that game they played earlier this year, I mean, yeah, how many was it, thirty-four or thirty-five in the second half that they put up yeah. to come back in that and win that game against Buffalo? I mean, even Buffalo's defense who's continually getting more and more banged up in the secondary i don't know if there's a deep i mean not to be a homer but like the Eagles' secondary might be the only secondary you feel good about going up against these guys Mm -hmm. at least giving you a chance they're just so fast and tyreek is such a weapon I, i mean i don't i feel like it might be quick to say it because of what we saw from out of them last year but i think the dolphins have the best wide receiver room in the nfl right now
1: I think they do. It's, but again, it's the, it's the inconsistencies, right? One week it's, but that's, that's Tua. Like that's not, it's, it's not even about, I'm not talking about Tua though on off. It's, it's, it's on both ends, right? One week it'll be, and they're not good enough on, on both ends to, to be this consistent. But one week it'll be Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle explode for like 250, 300 yards receiving. The next week they'll combine for like, 80 yards receiving. But the defense plays really well that week, right? And it's just like it's not enough to keep you in big games like that. I still think it all comes
0: back to the offense or to to Tua though. Like just looking at at the games that Tua plays in, we're talking about a completely so far they're undefeated in games that Tua has started and completed. Right. So Tua is making a difference for them. You can throw out some of the inconsistent games there. But even in the games where Tua was out, when it was uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson, Tyreek Hill was still putting up monster numbers. Uh, like Tyreek Hill is, is by far right now the number one wide receiver in football. He's got 961 yards already. He's averaging, um, trying to find his per, he's averaging 14 yards per reception.
1: You know how many receptions he has?
0: 69 nice nice (laughs) um he's not i mean he's not getting into the end zone that much but that's honestly doesn't really even matter um he's just he's been so absurdly good for them and opens up so much for them offensively uh that it's allowing guys like uh you know waddle to just as a second option to continually be really really good i mean waddle's your second option with his explosiveness there's so much speed it completely slants the defense like this is the argument that so when Tyreek Hill left Kansas City and everyone said, "Oh, well, he was so much of what Kansas City did because he slanted the field." Mahomes was also really fucking good and people were underselling how good
1: just Mahomes saying, was,
0: right? Like <laughs> like ever I felt like everybody was was pretty much like pretty consistently like, "Oh, Tyreek was a huge part of that offense. The offense is going to dip." And what we've seen is like, "No, actually Mahomes is just that fucking good." I think what we see with this Miami team is exactly what people were using as the argument for how good Kansas City was, if that makes sense. That was weirdly worded, but I mm-hmm. think I think I got my point across in that. Tyreek is what makes this offense so good. He is slanting the entire field, and he makes Tua and any quarterback he plays that much better. Uh, Tua still hasn't looked phenomenal, but he's making enough of the plays that you need yeah. him to make in order for him to be as dominant as he's been.
1: And even if it's not... Because of arm strength, the, both Tyreek and Waddle, uh, to his credit, are both really good at making adjustments, like mid-catch, to be able to to uh, secure either that or they're just that wide open yeah. that it's a can't-miss. Uh, for their ceiling this year, I'll, I'll frame it this way. I think it's pretty high because the toughest secondary they go up against, uh, assuming JC Jackson isn't back by mid-December, which may or may not be likely when they play each other. Um the toughest secondary they play right now on their schedule is week 17 against the Jets.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. But man. and we can we can move on here too. I mean I personally I could absolutely see a world where they get into the Super Bowl. We just saw it last year with this with, with the Bengals. Yeah. Right? Inconsistent team, but the offense is there. The explosiveness is there. Jamar Chase the quarterbacks, I mean, Joe Burrow, I think, was was playing better last year than Tua has this year. But the numbers aren't lying. Tua is the only quarterback in the NFL graded at, uh, has a QBR over 110 right now. He's leading the league in that. And this is crazy. Number one uh, wide receiver in receiving yards so far this year, Tyreek Hill with 961. Then it's Stephon Diggs. Then it's Justin Jefferson. And then it's Jalen Waddle. Number one and number four in receiving yards by wide receivers in the NFL this year Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And I don't see that. And that's again with what three games where they're where they played with backups. Three yeah. out of the eight games that this Miami team has played has been with backups. Uh, and I think Tua, Tua look, is doing enough. I still don't, I still don't think it looks great. I don't think he changes your franchise, but we know this. You don't need your quarterback to be Josh Allen to win a Super Bowl. You need your quarterback to play well and to play good and to make the right decisions, and that's exactly what two is doing. And we'll see how long they can last. This is a team that in the postseason would be terrifying to go up against because there's no one – the Chiefs don't have the secondary. The Bills don't even have the secondary. Now, they have the horsepower on offense to go shot for shot against them, so does Cincinnati, but they don't have the secondary. I I don't think anybody has a secondary except for maybe Philly to go up against these guys, and even still, the last time – um Tyreek Hill played the Eagles was last year and he hung up almost 300 yards of receiving offense against and, them, and so. actually
1: shut them down is what you mean not just limit them yeah. and then let your offense go get it exactly uh, like the Bills would probably do but actually exactly. shut them down yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um the Lions they stink it sucks looked better I mean the first half but they d- looked awesome
1: dude well and so what annoyed me about the offense was that like jared Goff caught fire in the first quarter i think he was up over like 150 in the first quarter passing um and then they just kept trying to force throwing the ball and it was like dude you can't like you have a really good running game like use it and
0: john swift was finally back too yeah Um, that was a tough tough loss for the lions um dan campbell i think that seat's getting warmer and warmer as it goes because at some point just the lack of adjustments like, that, hey, you're up fourteen yeah. nothing. Let's get the running game going. You still want to throw the ball a little bit. It's too early in the game to just go run the ball. But his rah rah stuff, again, it worked in year number one. How well is it going to work in year number two after well, this, these players have heard it again over and over again?
1: What's is where's the line? I was going to ask of the diminishing returns because, like, do we just hi- everyone hype it up because of of how good they were in uh, and how likable they were in hard knocks? And so now the, the bar is way, way above where it should be as, as far as expectation goes. And now they're, they're one in six and we're like, Oh, Dan Campbell's uh, seats getting a little warm. And it's like, no, it's not, They're still not a great football team. Yeah. Like-
0: well, but I, I think that's part of it. Like there's just been no progress, right? Like the, the lions team last year, they, they only have one more win right now than the lions had at this point of the season last year, uh, which is one win in total. So we're not talking about a ton here. Right. But that Lions team fought in every single game and had these heartbreaking losses week after week. And the nation kind of put their arms around them and everyone was pulling for the Lions to pull off a big win and it just wasn't happening. And now it's like, all right, well, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Right. And then this year we're talking about like, yeah, they had the heartbreaker against Minnesota, but it it doesn't quite feel the same because it's like, you should have progressed. Like everyone felt bad and like, was behind you when they weren't expecting you to do anything at all. And now there's at least some level of expectation for them, and they haven't met that at all. And they're basically the same team they were last year, Um, which that lack of progress through two years, and I know it's they're still paying Jared Goff, and they're doing that whole side of it. But there has to be something that you hang your hat on and say, no, the Lions look better this year. And if anything, I think they look a little bit worse. Like, I feel like that edge and that feistiness that they had, that fighting till every game. And maybe that was just, hey, we don't want to be the team that doesn't win a game all year kind of a thing. Um, but it hasn't looked good. It hasn't looked good. Uh, Vikings, Cardinals, Vikings improved to 6-1, and eight-point win over Arizona. Arizona continuing to find ways to shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, Hop comes back with another monster day and yet the Cardinals still look about the same as what they did. Um, second weekend in a row, D-Hop's gotten, I think, 12-plus targets. Um, another 10-catch day for him. Sick one-handed catch in the end zone. Uh, a huge day out of D-Hop. But, look, the, the Cardinals are just a bad football team.
1: It's it's chaos. It's absolute chaos on offense, and then on defense they're not any better. But, like, if it weren't for the fact that Minnesota forgot how to tackle on that long touchdown catch and run that rondale moore had we're not talking about this as a as a close game or a one score game before counting it as that yeah um that, they they looked flat until the fourth quarter
0: if if you were to so here's my burning question here for minnesota um because i'm not and we last week we, we did the uh you know how far is King, kingsbury away from being fired and i think that that is coming down the pipe at some point this year especially if this season starts to get away from them but in regards to Minnesota, who is quietly six and one, the only time we've seen them really nationally, other than the the London game, they got shit pumped by the Eagles in week two. Um Minnesota, right? Are we um I just man, I'm having just like terrible brain fog here on a on a Monday. Oh, that's what it was. If you could assign a record to what you think Minnesota looks like, like what record should they have? Not based off their schedule, but just based off of what you think of them through seven games what would, like what record would you give them like would you say they're like a 500 team a, a, cuz to me they're i think they're like a 4 and 3 5 and 2 team more so than a 6 and 1 team like a team that's going to finish the season with 11 wins as opposed to a team right now that's 6 and 1 who you look at that record and you think oh they're one of the best teams in the NFL but they're clearly not that
1: i'd have them at 4 and 3 I think simply because of the weapons they have uh, and trending upward uh, because they're starting to get Dalvin more involved. They're starting to get uh, other receivers other than Justin Jefferson more involved, which for better or worse, like Justin Jefferson's one of the best receivers in the game. And he had, I think, four targets through three and a half quarters of that game last week, which is inexcusable. Elon had a pretty decent game. Uh, they, they got targets to Irv Smith, who's now banged up. Uh, a little bit but um spreading the ball around is helpful and opens stuff up for your playmakers um even though Justin Jefferson can do whatever he wants whenever he wants I think that benefits a Kirk Cousins though uh on offense and then defensively like they they do enough right so I, I I think they're a four and three team uh trending upward yeah
0: yeah, I, I they're five. And I, I think because I do think they're good, like their defense has played well. The advanced numbers love them. Um, but six and one gives me the impression that, hey, this is going to be one of the best teams in the NFL. And I think that, I just don't think they are close to being one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they had that again, that big win against Green Bay in week one. When we said this last week that win doesn't really mean much anymore with how with what we've seen out of Green Bay moving forward they should have lost that game against new orleans they obviously lost the game against philly like they could have lost
1: that detroit game too
0: (laughs) and i get it too like people could say the same thing about you know dallas or about philly or about the and we said the same thing about the giants and the giants finally kind of got exposed and looked a little bit like frauds there too i just i don't think this minnesota team is particularly good i I i think they're okay i think Kirk Cousins is okay. I think they have elite skill guys on the outside, at least in Justin Jefferson and feeling for the first time showing a little bit of his age here, but he's like, you said, he started a good game. He got banged up in this game too. The offensive line's been okay. Um, They're just, they're just okay. They're just solid around the board. They're pretty good at pretty much every position. The secondary is definitely a problem. And we saw what happened when they, when they did go up against good teams that attacked the secondary and I think we're looking at another 11-12 to 12 win season because their schedule is favorable for that. They're going to probably win the NFC North. At this point, I think that's all but assured a for them. And then they're probably going to lose in the first round, maybe the second round of the playoffs.
1: Uh, right now, the Niners would be playing them in the first round. If, yeah. If it and ended like, today. And again, to the same
0: <laughs> question, if you were to put a, 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 a what you think of or what you think having watched this team kind of record on San Francisco, you would give you would say the San Francisco is the better team, despite not having as good of a record. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Right, uh, not a
1: Homer take for me, but yeah,
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I agree with that. I just, I, I, especially now with Christian McCaffrey um, and the Cardinals. Yeah. I think, I think it's a waiting game. I mean, you used a great word. It does. The offense looks like chaos. There's no, there's no organization. Kyler's scrambling for his life. It's, yeah. And it's, it's, it's like it's playground back, football. It's yeah. It's backyard football. I was just about to say the same thing. It's yeah. backyard football. It's Kyler running around using his, his athleticism to make unbelievable plays. He clearly is frustrated and not bought in. Um, and you know what? I'll, I'll say this as someone who has shit on Kyler a lot. <clears throat> I don't think I I, I feel kind of bad for Kyler because he's gotten so much shit for the all the the video game stuff and everything else. But at the same time, I don't really because he brought this on himself. Like, yeah. He's the one that but does this to himself. He's, he's that's got a his bad, MO. Man. He's got a bad it's look attitude. At me. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he always has. He's he was that way in college. He's not a good teammate. He's about Kyler. Kyler's about Kyler. Yeah, and it shows on the field because when he plays, he has no interest in playing within a system or playing within a scheme. He wants to go play Kyler ball, which is scramble around, make these unbelievable highlight throws. And look, when you are that supremely gifted of an athlete, I have to imagine. The confidence you feel that, like, I can go out and take over a game, and he's done that in the NFL too. That's going to carry a lot of weight in your mind. Like, he's always going to sure. want to do that. But ultimately, it hurts the team because there's no cohesion. There's nothing consistent about it. He's constantly playing outside of the structure of the offense, which makes it seem like there is no structure to this offense, which again looks yeah. bad on Cliff Kingsbury.
1: By the way, Vito DM me last night uh, a stat that was. Uh... Hilarious, and we have to continue to track it on uh, on the podcast. Uh, Kyler Murray is now zero and one since the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare two came out. Well, his
0: yeah, his record after any of those like expansion packs. I don't know, I don't play video games, so I don't know exactly what they are. But yeah, that's been a that obviously the new Call of Duty comes out, and that was the running joke. Kyler's um, going to put up his numbers, and and he people are going to buy into it all the time. Um, he's just for as gifted as he is. His personality is immensely frustrating, and I don't. I, I'm so fast. He's probably the one of the more fascinating people to watch over the next few years in the NFL to see what it looks like, because he's signed up to a long term deal, um, and he's going to get another head coach. Because I don't think Cliff hangs on here for another year, so we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, next up, hanging here, on a cliff, hanging <laughs> on a cliff. The game that I think I saw maybe four play of, plays of all day on red zone, uh, Saints and Raiders. Uh, This game was incredibly, incredibly boring. Um, The Raiders, I mean, just goose egged 24 to nothing. Um, I still don't think the Saints are a good team either. uh, But the way their defense made the Raiders look, they looked like the Saints defense of the last couple of years. But I don't think they're even close to that defense. So this to me was a lot on the Raiders. I know there was no Darren Waller. And I know that primarily they've won their games over the last few weeks riding the back of Josh Jacobs. The Saints said, nope, Derek Carr is going to be the one that beats us. Uh, And I'm curious, do you think in hindsight, if you're Devontae Adams and obviously Aaron Rodgers, is this a lose lose for both people? Because Devontae left, he got his money. So it's, and they both got their money. So it's, if we're talking purely football wise, Rodgers got 150 million.
1: I was about to eat my argument. <laughs> like, nope, got, they're rich.
0: has <laughs> got you know, over a hundred million, like they're set there, but from a football only <laughs> perspective, do you think both of them, this is a lose, lose situation for yeah, Rodgers dude, and Devante? I,
1: there was nothing, you know, there was nothing that would allure me to, to go into that Raiders team in Vegas. Uh, I, Josh McDaniel, maybe like, cause he's a brilliant offensive mind. Um, but even then, like, what else do you have? You had a, a an overperforming team with a wide a tight end. I almost said wide receiver, but he's basically a wide receiver uh, who happened to be banged up. But Derek Carr had a career year last year, and like people, I I know Raiders fans who point to, oh, well, he's he's up around four thousand yards every year. He's consistent. He's a good quarterback. No, it's no, he's not. You are. Looking at Raiders games with rose-colored glasses. If you think that he is not a good quarterback, and I will die on that hill, not a good quarterback. And I get it. Like you want to go play with guys you're you're comfortable with and familiar with, especially after you've left a scenario in, in Green Bay where you are the guy and you're playing with one of the best the guys uh, at, at a different position. If you're Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers, like I get it, but. There is nothing alluring about that team in any capacity. They couldn't run the ball uh worth worth a damn last year with Josh Jacobs. Now all of a sudden they figured that out. Uh, and then when they do, Devontae's not getting the ball and uh and even the the completions that that uh Derek Carr manages, he's throwing like Mac Collins half the time. And so it's like, yeah, th- I, I think it's a lose lose because and then for for Aaron Rodgers, obviously, like we've seen how that played out this year. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah, right. like it, it's a it's a lose lose for for both of these guys. I think until until such time, and I don't know whether or not it's going to annoy Devontae Adams when Vegas looks at themselves in the mirror and goes, "Look, we cannot be successful with this guy calling uh, or leading us a quarterback." Right? Mm-hmm.
0: No, I it's I completely agree. Uh, of with, uh, of wide receivers with a minimum of 46 targets, which is the 50% mark for uh, Tyreek Hill, who has the most targets. That's how uh, PFF you know, does some of these um, percentages and whatnot. Um, Devontae Adams is the 16th highest rated wide receiver um, or pass catcher in the NFL, with the likes of Mark Andrews, Brandon Ayuk, Drake London, Chris Olave, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb, Monroe St. Brown, all rated higher than Devonte adams right now um not great and this is a guy who was at the top of this statistic you know a year ago but you know 510 receiving yards and five touchdowns um a little less than halfway through the season he's gonna put up another really good season statistically there's no question about that but, but I, his team's gonna be
1: the worst in the division well maybe not but yeah. <laughs> bottom bottom i think they're the gonna division. finish
0: third I think they're going to finish third in that division. Um, Maybe, or maybe not. Who knows? Who knows what the rest of the season looks like? Because right now the Raiders and Broncos seem pretty up in the air in terms of what the rest of their season looks like. Uh, The Saints, on the other hand, I still think the Saints are uh, a mediocre football team at best. I think they're going to have weeks like this, though, where they just explode and they just win. Camara's starting to go off. And that's big for them, too. Having Camara finally seem to be – uh, into you know, and a more important part of that offense, um, is helping them significantly. Yeah.
1: Third, third week in a row, he's up over 100 scrimmage yards.
0: Yeah. All right. Two more games here before we take a quick break. Uh, Steelers, Birds, the Eagles win flying away. AJ Brown, three tutties in the first half. The Eagles continue. that man, dude. He, he is right now, he's the number three ranked wide receiver going to PFF. Uh, I believe he's top 5 in receiving yards. He's putting up monster numbers for him. Most receiving yards for an Eagles wide receiver uh through the first 7 games since T.O in 2004. Yeah, <laughs> um and the Eagles just continue to work. I mean, this is, again, every single win, the offense looks a little bit different, which means they're coming up with different game plans. It's this isn't we're past the point of it being an anomaly. You know, this isn't the Cardinals last year who started off 8-0 and then had that big collapse, right? The defense for the Eagles is significantly better than that Cardinals. Cause that's the thing in my mind as a fan that I'm like, are we sure? Am I sure this isn't the Cardinals of last year? Am I sure this? And it's just, it is, I mean, they can run the ball so efficiently. And in the second half of this game too, I mean, they were up um, 21 to 10 at halftime and it felt like the game had been over for 10 minutes already, you know? Um, And they come out immediately down the field, score another touchdown, uh, Zach Pascal finds the end zone miles Sanders with the touchdown later on Jalen Hurts doesn't even have to use his legs and that's the scary thing like they haven't had to have rely on Jalen as a runner much this season at all with the exception of like the Cowboys game when they played one of the best defenses in the NFL and they had to do that and that's what makes this defense or this this Eagles team so terrifying um you bring in robert quinn i think he played like 10 snaps in this game he's just going to be another nice guy to throw into that rotation jordan davis making crazy plays in the run game yeah
1: congrats to nick sirianni for uh for listening to the podcast and hearing jeff Gimple say that he needs to start yeah uh, last week because he did
0: yeah we need to we need to get more uh jordan davis in the game and uh, i think as the season goes on they're going to start doing that more and more um like I, I only remember seeing Fletch a handful of times yesterday. I know he played more, but it seemed like every time Jordan Davis is on the field, he was making a play. Uh, Hassan Reddick looks fantastic. The secondary for the Eagles is phenomenal. The linebackers still playing really, really good. Um Jonathan Gannon still scares the shit out of me. But look, credit where credit's due. You know, it it's working. It's working. And they have the guys who are making plays. The other thing, too, is the turnover differential for them right now is at an obscene level. They added another three this week. The Eagles have only turned the ball over twice all season, um, both of them being on interceptions. That ne- one was Jalen's worst throw of the season in that game against Jacksonville, and the other one was the little screen pass that tipped off of uh, I think it was Kenny Gainwell's hands. So this Eagles team, normally when you say okay, it's a fifteen to two, inter- you know, takeaway to. Um, giveaway ratio right they're you know up plus 13 i think they are right now uh, or might be plus 15 regardless when you see stats like that you think okay there's going to be regression to the mean the eagles are just taking care of the football they're not fumbling they're, jalen hurts is making the right decisions play after play after play and what's really encouraging is the game seems so slow for jalen right now and it feels like every defense that they play is just waiting on they're constantly in this like frozen they're constant half step behind full step behind a lot of times this offense and now you're saying oh yeah we can just run the same fade route 30 yards and hit aj brown the eagles scored three touchdowns in the first half without taking a snap in the red zone
1: yeah that's wild and the other thing that's that's insane about that is that particularly in this game right aj brown's getting double teamed by one of whom is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, safety in the game right now, Minka yeah. Fitzpatrick, and he's just bodying people, man. And not only that, but Jalen Hurts is putting the ball exactly where it needs to be. Yeah, uh, it's scary. Uh, and he, it's not just AJ Brown that he does that with; it's it's everyone. So it's scary, man.
0: And and I still I think yesterday was one of like Jalen didn't play his best, but they knew they could throw the ball against this team, and they went after him. Um, and the, the safety manipulation, even with a guy like Mick and Fitzpatrick, like you have to be so precise with looking him off and then taking that shot still all in the middle of doing a three-step drop because you can't sell it too quick. And if for, for Jalen, at least the last two touchdowns were one, two, three balls out already. Like on uh, the, the last one, when uh, AJ Brown did the point, the finger point at the two guys, which is hilarious. And it was bullshit. He got flagged for it.
1: That Um, touchdown was amazing because he caught the ball and Minka Fitzpatrick in the corner that were covering him just bounced right off of him. Yeah, and AJ Brown stood up in the end zone. That was hilarious.
0: It's a boom, boom. (laughs) I own you. I'm your daddy. Like it was. (sighs) It was amazing. But looking back on when I went back, stay healthy. And (laughs) yeah, please. When I went back and rewatched it, Jalen Hurts let that ball out when AJ Brown was on the 25 yard line.
1: That eats fast,
0: <laughs> which I've heard Trent Dilfer and other guys talk about this too. The anticipation throw is one of the like top signs of like an elite level quarterback is like when like, cause cause they're the hardest throws to make. And both the second two in particular, the first one, he kind of threw up there and AJ Brown went up and split the defenders and made an awesome catch. But the third, the second and third ones were just pure anticipation, look the safety off and attack it. And he's made the right decision time after time. The defense continues to play well, and look, this is a Steelers team that's frisky at this point. So I, I'm at the point where I don't think this is an anomaly. Um, and I guess the burning question is just the Eagle. It's not even a question. It's just the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, and I, I think they went from being a full step below Buffalo and Kansas City to, I think gap a little bit. Yeah. I think they're like a half step. I, I'm not going to put them up on that level yet. But they're getting closer and closer for, and I think, and I know they play. They're playing bad teams, and people want to say that, but they've done it against good teams, and they've done it against bad teams. They got to win. Yeah, a wins a win. You don't make your schedule, and, and the Eagles have been flying high. So go Birds. Um, Pickett had some moments yesterday, but um, he's still got some growth to do. All right, let's talk Jets and Pats before we take a break. Um, yeah, the Jets are not the same team without Elijah Vera Tucker or Brees Hall. Uh, you could tell that the, the energy of that game just felt weird. Zach Wilson continues like he reverted back from game manager to, and he even said this in the press conference that he felt frustrated, like he was getting bored back there, like throwing the ball away. <laughs> Which is like, dude, like you get I didn't paid even a lot do of, that
1: sometimes. He threw it right to well, and that's why, Devin twice. That's why
0: he was forcing it. And that's that was his explanation. He was like, yeah, well, I, I was I've been getting bored back there just constantly having to throw the ball away because no one's open. It's like, dude, you have to get rid of that. Like you cannot you cannot operate that way as a quarterback in the NFL. You can't get bored. You have to take what the defense gives you every single time. If the play is not there, throw it away. Fight for another down. Do not just oh i'm bored so i'm gonna try to make some magical throw because i have a ton of arm talent like i did at byu that's what gets you fired in the nfl
1: yeah and again like i don't think a lot of it is i mean some of it was the fact that the patriots defense is getting better and better by the week and that guys weren't open but he managed to find garrett wilson a bunch um he managed to find other guys. Obviously, Elijah Moore is not part of that equation, uh, which is well documented. Uh, but he found Garrett Wilson six times for 115. Uh, Tyler Conklin had a big game. like So he, there's guys out there, and Tenzo and Mims had 76 yards on two catches. So there's guys out there to be had, especially when you have Michael Carter, who, I, look, I realize you lost Brees Hall, but Michael Carter out of the backfield, viable option catching the ball as well. And they ha- they didn't ha- they mixed James Robinson in, but not as much. I mean, he was he's only been there less than a week, so um, I-, I anticipate that he'll be a bigger part of the offense moving forward. But I I think that's just an excuse, honestly, from Zach Wilson. I really do, because there were times where he made stuff happen, and, and to to sit there and say that you were bored, I don't think so, man. I think it's I think it's a continuation of last year. You're bored because uh, you think. That you were going to go video game progression uh, in your second year, and it hasn't happened, and and you are making an excuse. I, I really do, and, and I think he's he's just as good a, as he was last year, and, and he's it, still seeing ghosts out on the field. He's not yeah. seeing the field well at all.
0: Well, and I think he, I think he's seeing it. He's just kind of saying fuck it, and and sending it anyway. You know, um, looking at the rest of their schedule, and this is the burning question here for this game. Uh, in regards to the New York Jets, looking at their schedule for the rest of the season, over under three and a half more wins.
1: Oof. Uh, to a quick look here, uh, and no, I can I'll
0: read them off here for the people uh, listening. We have Buffalo home against Buffalo this week, at New England home against Chicago, at Minnesota, at Buffalo, home against Detroit, home against Jacksonville, at Seattle, at Miami. So I'm see- going to take.
1: I'm going to take the over.
0: You am going to take the over because I see yeah, I'm Chicago, gonna take over. Detroit, and Jacksonville as wins. I don't think they win any of those other games. There's no way they're what? beating Buffalo. There's no way. Oh, no. Yeah, no. I don't think they beat Minnesota in Minnesota. Um, I don't think they beat New England at New England. And then it's at Seattle, at Miami. I don't think either one of those games are particularly winnable, at least based off this. Now, look, we could get to the end of the season and Geno could have this massive fall apart, right? And he can maybe not be that guy. Maybe Miami is... You already locked up their spot in the postseason and they rest guys in week 18. Like those are definite options. But if you're talking about games where hey, it's like teams are in it to win it, starters are playing. I I would take the under. I don't think, and honestly, they could lose to Detroit or Jackson. Yeah.
1: No doubt. I i just I think their defense is good enough to win one of those games. Whether it's the Vikings or uh potentially the Patriots at New England, that's gonna be a harder task, but uh Vikings and, and Seahawks, uh, along with the other three that you mentioned, um, Bears and uh, Lions and Jaguars. I think uh, their defense is good enough to to for sure keep them in the game. Um, and hopefully by then they figured out the offense uh, a little more uh, because the the pieces are there, man. Like it's not this, is, and this is, goes into part of the excuse thing I say with Zach Wilson. Like that's not a factor, man. Like grow up.
0: <laughs> yeah no it's it's a te- it was a terrible look um and the pats offense i mean the pats offense scored 22 points which is average that's a bill
1: check game man
0: <laughs> it's against the jets and if the jets really do have a good defense then mac jones shouldn't be able to put 22 points up against you with how bad this pats offense has looked um at times this season all right let's take a quick break we'll come back we got five more games to hit uh and then we'll be back right after this quick break Moving on to the later games, a weird slate like the Niners, like the Niners Rams game makes sense uh, in the late window. None of these other games make any sense being played in the late window. Titans, Texans, Commanders, Colts, Giants, Seahawks, especially if you'd said that at the start of the season. Uh, But that's what we had in the later slate. Uh, We'll start here. We'll start with the game that's worth talking about because the team's involved. Giants, Seahawks, Seahawks pull away. 27 to 13 Seahawks with a one game lead in the division ahead of your Niners. And we'll get to them uh, momentarily, but
1: who we beat by the way,
0: but uh, let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks because the Seahawks come up with a huge, huge win um, against the Giants team that has not made many mistakes this year, but the fragility of a team like New York where you don't have a lot of talent. You're playing above your talent level because you're playing such sound, fundamental, clean football. And then you muff two punts, you make a couple of small mistakes. They did a good job of containing Saquon, which is primarily the, the main yeah. option that the Giants had. Um, the
1: Seahawks have been a sieve on run defense this year, and they they did but, a good job containing Saquon.
0: But their defense has gotten better and better with each yeah. passing week. So uh, and then the same thing on the other side. Like Gino, I, I'm Gino should have had a much better day than he did Tyler Lockett drops uh, a wide open deep ball on a touchdown redeemed himself later and caught and did end up catching one but uh, a really bad uh, drop there so this game could have been out of hand sooner than it was but they unfortunately um or I guess fortunately I should say uh did hold on to win and win pretty comfortably in this game Kenneth Walker with another touchdown uh I don't want to go back to the like what's the ceiling thing because that's, that's so lazy, but the Seahawks team is so interesting to me because the defense continues to get better. The quarterback play has gotten better uh, and has been better and an upgrade from what they've had over the last couple of years. DK, after getting carted off the field with a knee injury last week, plays this week and, and had a decent game. And then Tyler Lockett looking like the version of Tyler Lockett we saw over the last few years, now just doing it with Geno Smith and also – throwing a little bit of shade in the press conference at Russell Wilson, which I thought was hilarious. Um, It all comes down to Geno though, with the Seahawks team because the defense is still young and they're playing really well and they're going to get better and they have some good veteran leadership there. But a lot of the key pieces for them are in that secondary. Woodley, he ends up uh, limping off the field at the end of the game. Uh, Didn't look to be like seasoned anything, anything crazy, but he may be a little banged up. Kobe Bryant on the other side playing really well. So that defense, I think, is going to just consistently have really good games, and in some games they're not looking going to look all that great. Offensively, everything is going to is going to go to this this projected cliff, right? When is Geno Smith going to come back down to earth, or does he? So, how many more weeks of this do we need to see after we've seen now eight games of Geno playing really high level football for the Seahawks before you buy in fully to you know what Geno Smith is? Going to be the starter of this team. He is, you know, good enough to take this team to the postseason.
1: Uh, I'm not. I, I'm really not. I'm not saying that just as a Niners fan. Like the 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 amount right. of turnover worthy plays he has is, it's it's not sustainable.
0: So you're saying there's uh, nothing. There's no amount of games in a row he can because that's that's what I'm asking is how many games – how many more games do you, like will it take for you to buy in on this?
1: I mean, if you're, I'd say if they get to to their eighth or ninth win, like I'll buy in and be like, all right, this is a legit team that we need to to contend with because of how good Geno Smith is playing, and that's it, the only way they get to that that number of wins.
0: Yeah, I mean they're five and three right now. Um, I three more wins seems very likely for this team. I I would venture to say I w- I, w- I would expect them to win at least three more games. Uh, They're at Arizona. They have Tampa Bay, the Raiders. They play the Rams again, obviously. They have Carolina. Uh, They have the Jets on their schedule at the end of the season. They have some tough games in there too, right? Um, You have a game against another home. They play San Francisco at home, uh, and then they're at Kansas City. So those are two tough games, but they should and or probably will win a good majority of those other games based off of how they've played so far this season.
1: Well, yeah, and again, I think nine wins is probably the magic number uh, for for the NFC uh, to get into the playoffs. So, uh, like, it, it, and again, if they rip those off in a row, they get to to they they rip another four off in a row. I I really think as well as as you mentioned, as as good as their defense has progressed uh, with the young talent that they have. And they stay healthy. Uh, we'll see because those four wins again, are going to come on the back of, of Gino. It, it's not going to be, uh, it, it's not going to be a ton of, of like electric offense. Like you'll see from, uh, from a team like Buffalo or, or Kansas city even, or, uh or sometimes the Eagles, right. It's, it's going to be a lot of like old school ground and pound. Then we, we air it out. Maybe Geno Smith has 230 yards a game. Um, and Kenneth Walker is over a hundred, and it's just solid. And that's how you win football games in the six, NFL.
0: Six six of their eight games, they've scored 27 or more points.
1: Right. Like the, but it's but, not but, but it's not so electric, what is what I'm I'm pointing I, but
0: I disagree because they're they're throwing the deep ball better than anyone else in football right now. They're connecting with Tyler Lockett and DK on more uh passes of 20 yards down or more downfield. They're in like the top five in the league. And Gino's doing it at an efficient level. Like it's not dink and dunk, it's not all these quick little you know, check down QB game manager stuff. Like he should have, Gino should have had two 40 plus yard touchdown passes yesterday if Tyler Lockett doesn't drop the first
1: one or fumble the second. And so, like, but, but I'm I feel like you a that lot of
0: it feels, it's, it feels hard to wrap your head around it because it still just doesn't feel like something we, we've, we've never seen a quarterback, at least it's been a really long time that we've seen a quarterback have any sort of similar career arc that we've seen out of Geno Smith. And yet have this late career bloomage, right? Where now all of a sudden we're talking about Geno Smith as the most efficient quarterback in the NFL and is also in the top five in passing yards and putting up big numbers like he's been putting it up. And then now you have Kenneth Walker there too, who has been fantastic in the running game. It feels like a balanced offense that will take shots and can move the ball. It's going to be more boring. You're right. It's not Mahomes, it's not Josh Allen, it's not even Philly, but it's still one of the better and, and weirdly enough, one of the more explosive offenses because they can hit on the deep shot between Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf at any point.
1: True. Yeah, I, I, look, it, it is weird because like, like, let me ask you this. So even if they get to double digit wins and they go to the playoffs, odds are that they'll be, if they get to double digit wins, they'll probably be the, the four seed, um, maybe the three seed. Um, Winning the division mm-hmm. uh, Do you think that Anyone would legitimately be like Yeah the Seahawks are going to contend And make a run Like I'm still I don't Like I, I, don't, I don't think that they can do that
0: I don't think that they're going to Contend in, in terms of like A Super Bowl But remember what the expectations Of this team was coming into it We all thought this oh, yeah. was going to be the one of the worst teams in the NFL And Who else? I mean, they're if they win the NFC West, right? Let's say they win the NFC West, they're gonna be the three seed. Hell, they could even be the two seed. Yeah. Now it's it's more likely that Minnesota continues to win and will take the two seed. But you'll have the winner of the NFC East as the as the one seed, probably Philadelphia. And then you'll have either Minnesota, but like again, they're only two games back of Minnesota. If the season ended right now, they'd be the three seed. Could they beat the Giants? Well, the Giants are likely going to be like a six seed, so they could beat the Giants. Right.
1: You know, and I, I like they beat
0: San Francisco. Absolutely, they could beat San Francisco
1: any given day, maybe. Uh, but I go back to to what I took away from from the game this weekend is, and I'm sure you differ, but I was like, I came away from that game saying I learned absolutely nothing about either of these two, nothing at all. Really? Yeah. Nothing at all. I, uh, the, uh, Seattle's just done what they've done, uh, which may be good. It might not be. Like again, how sustainable is that? And then New York was just like, eh. We saw the the things that make your team um, fragile fall apart, especially late in the game. And I, I, I learned mean, nothing.
0: I I completely disagree. And yeah, so, I
1: figured you would
0: because. Well, and because the Seahawks, I mean, they just played a team in the Giants who have done nothing but play fundamentally perfect sound football that's extremely well coached, that's a tough team to beat. And they played better, more technically sound football with explosive plays and they forced turnovers and they played a much better all-around game to a team that had basically been playing perfect all season. And I'm not here to say that, and, and I've been very vocal about not being a huge believer in the Giants, and I'm still not a huge believer in the Giants, but Seattle, they came into this game and and played it at an extremely high, well, they were the better coached team in this game. And that's the kind of shit that travels. You know, again, do they have the ceiling of a Super Bowl? No, I don't think that they do. I wouldn't be shocked if they win this division. I genuinely wouldn't. Well, the way that their defense is played, now look, Christian McCaffrey makes a huge difference in that. And if I was going to bet on it, I would say if if you were asking who who I think the favorite is, it's probably San Francisco. But I don't think the gap is that big. I mean, they win the game against Denver early on. Week 2, they hadn't really found this offensive chemistry when they played San Francisco. I'm hmm. fascinated for that rematch when they get a chance to play them again. They've That's won four-time game too. <laughs> they've won four out, of the, four out of their last five putting up 48 points, 32 points. 19, 37, and 27. I mean, this team's averaging like 30-plus points a game over the last five games, and they're running the ball, passing the ball. It's all efficient. They're just really well coached, and they're playing like a cohesive unit, and teams like that are really tough to beat. I do think it's more likely that they're a wild-card team, but this team's making the playoffs.
1: Those numbers you just said for Seattle, is, and I'll push back on, is... Against the Lions, the Saints, the Cardinals, the Chargers, and the Giants, all of whom we've said over the past couple of weeks and even earlier on in this podcast are not great defenses.
0: The Giants are a good defense. The Giants have been a good defense all year. I, I'm with you on, obviously, the Lions are not a good defense. The Saints aren't a good, have well, at least, I don't know. The Saints just shut out the Raiders, right? So who knows what the Saints' defense are. I'm of the belief that, yeah, I don't think the Saints are Anywhere close to as good as they've been in the past, the Chargers. I mean, they hung up thirty-seven on the Chargers, and I'm also baking into this too that it is a young defense that they have a couple of veteran leaders, the Shelby Harris's, right? Um, they have some guys like that, like that, who can lead, but for the most part, they're young at really crucial positions. Um, was it Bafay? Buff- What's it? Uh, Boye? Sorry, the the rookie out of Minnesota. I mean, mm-hmm. he's come on as a second round pick and has been phenomenal boy. A mafia. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I, they hit on Charles cross, the offensive lines playing good. They can run the ball right now. Their top three picks are all making impact plays, which isn't a recipe for a super bowl run. It's not a recipe for a division championship, most likely, but given how well the offense is playing and doing so at just an efficient level, they have a quarterback who's played a lot of football and seen a lot of things in the NFL. (laughs) And is really, really smart and is making the right decision and not putting his team in harm's way. And I think that makes them a dangerous team. Um, but I don't know, probably that nine to ten win thing, but there's again their schedule is pretty favorable. Uh, and with the NFC, 10 wins could get them the the five or six seed. It could also win them the division you- because even though the Niners, yeah, they have McCaffrey, they have stuff now, they also got shit pumped by Atlanta two weeks ago. Yeah. And Jimmy G is going to cost you some games down the stretch too. So that game against I, I, each other, that's going to be a huge game.
1: I will say it, it, look, if we if we talk about that that four game stretch to get them to to 9, right? They play the Bucks next week or uh, in 2 weeks after their bye in Munich. Um and then 2 weeks later is at at the Rams. If if they win that four game stretch and beat those two teams, then yeah, absolutely. Hand up, like they're they're legit.
0: Yeah, they have Arizona, Tampa Bay, Las Vegas, and the Rams. I think they come out of that three and one.
1: I mean, the way they've been playing, yeah, that's not out of the question.
0: And if they do that, and they're sitting there at at eight and four, and c- compared to the Niners' schedule, which um, is not particularly difficult, I don't think. I'm I got to remind myself. I'm trying to pull their schedule up now. Um, They have Chargers, Cardinals, Saints, Miami, Tampa Bay. Um, I mean, it's about the same level of difficulty. Now, again, I do think that the Niners are a better team, and we'll get to that game here uh, in a second, but uh, McCaffrey makes a huge difference. But I'm just saying, like, if Seattle wins the division, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, The the other game in this window that was worth talking about, I do think, is the Niners and Rams game. The Niners continue to own the Los Angeles Rams. 8-0.
1: in the regular yeah. season
0: Christian McCaffrey to the Niners Is one of the rare um, Mid-season trades That I think actually puts a team From like middle of the pack To potential team That could be in the Super Bowl Because he The way that McA- that they're going to be able to use him And this game was This was without Debo too So this was like the Hey, Chris McCaffrey We're putting you in We're going to show off our shiny new toy We're going to let you ride um, That one-two combo with Kyle Shanahan calling plays is going to be really hard for teams to stop. But the one thing that kept popping in my mind here with just how bad the Rams have looked at certain points this season is who's, is this more of the Rams looking porous and having just a really bad year or are the Niners really as good as they looked this, this past weekend?
1: Uh, That's an interesting question. Um, I do like, I do like what we've, been able to do on offense uh 49ers Franklin. i mean christian mccaffrey had a, a receiving touchdown a rushing touchdown and he threw for a touchdown yeah uh, which is uh, i i believe i heard Scott Hansen say that that was only the fifth time in history that's ever happened um so i like uh and i brought it up last week the i think the progression is going to be faster than people think uh for him getting integrated into the offense um and and we saw a lot of that this week, um. But you're right, man. Like the Rams right now look like, know, like three and a half players. It's Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, who played really well, um. Uh, and then on one on offense is Cooper Cup, and that's that's it, um. And so, you know, you neutralize those guys. You can double team Donald, uh, if you want. If your offensive line is good enough, you can go toe to toe with him, although. I don't think there's many in the in the league that can do that even. Um and I, I just don't think the Rams are good. Like look, look, look at their what they do in the red zone in this game, right? How many times did they run the ball uh when they were in the in the red zone or on the goal line even? It wouldn't. They they went three downs of or at least two downs uh every time they were there of of throwing the ball or or the one run that Matthew Stafford had. Cause they're, they're just not confident in running the ball um, at all at any point in the game, let alone on the goal line where you need to pound the ball in. Um, and so, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it is the, uh, the Rams just don't look very good.
0: Yeah. I I think it's one of the rare things that I posed that question because I really do feel like it's 50 50. Like, I feel like this was a bit of a like, Hey, this is what the Niners are going to look like moving forward. At least this is what they're capable of with Christian McCaffrey. But the offense still isn't fully there. I do, I do agree with you. I do think it's going to come along quicker. Um, I think the running back position lends itself to be able to do that easier. I think it's easier to jump in, um, you know, mid season as a running back and kind of play immediately, but for how much they're going to use him and how much they're going to use him in the passing game, there is going to be a learning curve there, but we're also talking about a guy in Shanahan who comes up with a different game plan for every single week. You know, it's not a system where like, hey, we're going to run this set of plays over and over and over again. He changes up what they do, and they're going to put in specific plays where they're all learning it at the same time. And so McCaffrey's not really at much of a disadvantage. Um, And you're going to factor in Debo into this, too. And how does that affect Debo and and how much better does that make their offense? Kittle on the board with a touchdown yesterday, which was huge. Um, And then we know how good the Niners' defense was. Bosa came back yesterday too, right?
1: He was, yeah. He had a couple of sacks.
0: And that's huge for them because in this game, and this is part of the Rams' side of it, where the Rams' offensive line that I've now been saying for three weeks is just atrocious. And a lot of that has to do with injury, and they're supposed to get their starting center back next week. But this Rams team is definitely in some trouble. Uh, And Christian McCaffrey being in down 31-14 to in the last minute of the game and he gets hurt. Um, sorry, uh, not Cooper Cup, not Christian McCaffrey. Cooper Cup getting hurt on that last drive with under a minute left when you're down 17 points. Um, that's just you. You can't have that, Sean McVay. I, I understand the whole like don't give up kind of thing, but Cooper Cup is your offense. You can't. You cannot do that. Um, and also I also had this thought too, man. Allen Robinson two years ago playing on on the Rams versus the Allen Robinson we have now. Oh. It's a shame. It's a shame that the the Bears took the last two good years of Allen Robinson because um, he's he's proven at times in his career to be so good, and yet he just didn't get any any sort of luck playing in Chicago, and now he's, he's past his prime, and he'll get nicked up, and it's not going to be the same, but um, I think the Niners are going to be really good. I do think they should be the favorites to win the division. Uh, right now, they're only a game behind the Seahawks, so that that's what i said that head to head game where they'll play here Who in, we've beaten once
1: already you've beaten yeah.
0: once already but that uh, that game alone get would get you back to even right and we'll sure. see how both teams play uh moving forward but
1: yeah undefeated I, I think, against the division though bud.
0: <laughs> the niners are good man the niners are really really good um and that's what i said i think they should be considered the favorite and McCaffrey definitely puts them over the top he's he's him in that offense makes it really fun and it also makes life easy easier for jimmy g right? He knows he'll always have the safety valve in Christian McCaffrey. Um, now, whether or not he gets too reliant on that, I don't know, but I'll tell you what, as someone who has McCaffrey in fantasy, um, yeah, that <laughs> trade, that trade worked out pretty, pretty well for your boy. Um, I should right, say, or that draft pick, I should say. All right. The uh, last two games here, I don't want to spend too much time on Titans, Texans um, Malik Willis makes his first start. Not that you would ever have noticed. He could have put a mannequin back there on a, on a Roomba and it would have been probably the same result. Uh, Derek Henry runs for 200 yards, another two touchdowns, sixth game of his career ties. Uh, I believe it's Adrian Peterson and OJ Simpson for the most career, 200 yard rushing games uh, with six, which that it's number is pretty surprised. good company. Yeah. <laughs> well on the field. Um, yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that also surprised me only six, Games with over 200—that's the record in the NFL. um But this goes back to the "Hey, is, is Derek Henry slowing down?" thing. It's like no, he's he's not slowing down anytime soon. He he's done this every year. Last year was different because he missed the majority of the regular season. But remember how dominant he was, and he got you know 10 games off last year, which is 10 less games on his body. And the Titans are sitting at five and two. You know they have the same record as as the Chiefs. They could easily be six and one if Fat Randy makes the field goal in week one against the Giants, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and and yet, we, everyone just thinks of the Titans as this boring team. And they are boring. I'm not going to argue against that. Uh, what we did learn, though, is, yeah, Malik Willis, definitely not ready to have the keys as He's the a full-time rookie. QB. Yeah. Um, but he did what they asked him to do. He handed the ball off. He scrambled a little bit. He made a couple of short, easy connections, kept the ball moving. Uh, and then the Titans defense too, needs to start getting talked about more and more as one of the better defenses in the NFL. Bud Dupree comes back last week and now we're starting to see, yeah, like this Titans team is going to be a bitch. In fact, the only game left on the Eagle schedule that I'm really worried about is this game against Tennessee. Um, but I have a feeling AJ Brown's going to have something to say about that, uh, playing against <laughs> oh, his
1: old team. A little revenge game.
0: <laughs> uh, and then the other one here, commanders Colts, the Taylor Heineke versus Sam Ellinger battle, which, uh, if you had told me that was going to happen preseason, I would have said, wow, uh, there's some serious injuries. Or just Carson Wentz got benched. Um, And kind of was a little bit of both. Uh Matt Ryan, obviously, we talked about that last week, not playing. I thought Sam Ellinger did an okay job uh, in his first career start. He made a phenomenal throw after the Commanders oh, the went down. the one Pittman dropped. Pittman dropped in the fourth oh, quarter. Unbelievable throw. That was beautiful. Um, and would have put them in field goal range and potentially, you know, won the game for them. But uh, credit to Taylor Heineke, man. Uh, And Terry McLaurin, who's from Indy. Uh, That was a huge thing for him. He had never played. He grew up uh, with season tickets going to the Colts games with his dad. Uh, He never got to play or he had played there uh, in college for a couple of big 10 championships, but hadn't gotten to play there as a pro yet. Had never played the Colts, which was his team growing up. Uh, and he made the big play that that won them the game on that last drive. That
1: catch was insane. It too. was sick. Yeah, just ripped it from the cornerbacks. Hands. And
0: Heineke Heineke magic, man. Heineke magic. Uh, and with Told that you. too, never
1: doubt the Green Lizard.
0: Yeah, and and, and with that too, uh, the Commanders now moved to four and four. And there's a statistic about the. Uh, I'm trying to pull up here. There's a statistic about the NFC East, which is. Again, one of the things if you had mentioned this earlier in in the season, I would have never thought about that uh, thought it would have been true. This is from Field Yates at 23 and 8 combined and a 0.742 winning percentage. It's the highest combined win percentage for a division through 8 weeks since the merger in 1970. Wow. That's how like good the NFC, East. the NFC East, which honestly is also probably a product of the rest of the NFC playing like dog shit. But yeah, how about that, man? Eight losses, 742 win percentage, highest since 1970 when the NFL merged together. And
1: it's all going to fall apart in December when they start playing each other.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's part of it, too. That's part of it, too. But I mean, like the Eagles have played two divisional games. The Giants have played two uh actually have the giants played two? no the giants have only played one washington's played one yeah so yeah i guess Dude, you'll washington's be, played two they played who philly and
1: oh no i'm sorry washington's only played one philly's yeah. played two
0: and then dallas played new york and philly so yeah that definitely plays into it especially when a lot of the other divisions have played against each other um though so you could argue afc south i mean titans and texans tied why aren't they in that conversation you know um but it is it is wild. Through eight through eight weeks, we're sitting here talking about um, the NFC East as the best division in football, record wise. Um, do you think they're the best division in football right now? Because I don't.
1: Top to bottom, no, I don't. know. I think well, when it all shakes out, it's going to be a little more top heavy than.
0: Is there a better one? Two? I think the AFC the AFC East is probably the best top to bottom. But is there a better one-two? Buffalo, Miami, maybe at the top between Eagle, Philly, Philly, Dallas. I'd still,
1: I'd still lean Philly, Dallas.
0: Yeah, I think I would too. But that's interesting. The top two, and based
1: based on what you're saying, it's going to end up being you know the NFC West in that conversation at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, I mean, who's in second in the AFC West? Is it? I, I guess it's the Chargers.
1: Chargers yeah. by
0: default um yeah I I think I think they have to be the the best at the top I mean you could say maybe Ravens maybe
1: Ravens Bengals yeah at the end
0: that's the only that's the only one but right now from what we've seen I think Philly and Dallas is probably the best one too but I would say I would say that's about tied between Buffalo and Miami too because I think Buffalo because Buffalo is better than Philly and Dallas um but I also think Philly and Dallas might be a little bit are, are both better than Miami, but not by much. So I'd say, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. All right. Uh, last game of the day, we have Packers bills. The bills go on to win uh, yet another game, 17 points in the second quarter. Uh, it was one of those games where at halftime, you know, 24 points are up. The bills kind of put it into cruise control. And uh, and ran out the rest of the game. The Packers score a late touchdown to bring the score from a 17 point lead to a 10 point lead. Uh, Depending on where you got this line, when we did our picks, we had Buffalo minus 11 and a half, so wasn't much of a bad beat for us. But I know a lot of people out there had uh, 10 or 10 and a half. So depending on where you fell under that, um, man, that would be uh, that'd be a tough one. But I was glad that I, I at least took green bay there to to cover the spread that was i needed that to close out
1: (laughs) yeah and and impressively for uh for buffalo i think the story of this game was rushing the ball buffalo looked good uh when when singletary can rush well yeah uh you know 14 carries 67 but it was the first half where he really started to get going and they they were just giving him the ball um and, and giving him you know, he had a couple of catches out of the backfield. Too. He had one catch out of the backfield, but that was in the first quarter as well. So uh I think that's, that is what makes this team so dangerous is that you have to stop that on top of Josh Allen can run and they have one of the best wide receiving cores in the league. Um And then for the Packers, like, look, how many times have we said on offense, your success runs through Aaron Jones? Yeah. Right. Like 20 carries 143 yards this game and it's because they got him going and like that was the reason they started to come back late in the game and it's not rocket science man look like you got aaron Rodgers. i get it he's one of the best quarterbacks that ever, has ever done this but who who's he thrown to with any success this year that that has impressed you that's
0: hard. Uh, i mean so i mean they, romeo Do- or romeo dobbs had some some good moments yeah um and that but that's about it i mean when sammy Watkins is getting the first couple passes out of the out of the gate it's just tough, and I think a lot of people thought Lazard would kind of make a jump up to be that guy, and yeah, he's just got nobody around him. I feel like we had Devontae Adams blow up over the last few years, and then we've just hopped in a time machine and jumped back five years to when he had nobody around him. You know,
1: what? Well, yeah, and that was the rationale, and like, at particularly like fantasy, like all through the the pre draft process is like, well, Aaron Rodgers got to throw to someone, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which historically speaking would have, and not just in Rogers or saying like in Rogers career, I just mean like when you have elite quarterbacks who don't have a clear cut number one, that strategy typically works right uh, in mm-hmm. fantasy. And there typically is somebody, which is why it's weird that with both Brady and Rogers, we're seeing this kind of fall from grace, um, but I don't know, Buffalo, I still, think, I still think we'll see a run by Green Bay at some point. I still think we'll see them rattle off a few wins. I don't think they're completely done, um, but they have to get some shit figured out soon because three and five, uh, five losses already this season. I believe that's the same regular season loss total or from the two previous seasons combined where they lost two and three um, for uh, Matt LaFleur's last two seasons before this year. Uh, Cause they went what 14 and three last year. And then I think they went 14 and two the year before that. So um, yeah, things aren't looking great. Things aren't looking great. Uh, do you want to wait until Friday? Let the blood stop boiling a little bit and have veto here. So you guys can talk Ohio state, Penn state.
1: Uh, I mean, season's over, so whatever.
0: It was a tough one, man. I really thought you guys had it. You're up leading the way in the third quarter and, and even in the fourth quarter, um, to have 28 points by Ohio State in an eight-minute stretch—it's um, just that's how quickly. I mean, CJ Stroud took you,
1: over. Man. Like yeah. that's how good they were, and Travion Henderson—he had a couple of big runs, but it was like right after we had gotten up, Ohio State gets the ball back, and this is the explosiveness of their offense. Yeah, get the ball back, three plays, 78 yards, done, touchdown, and they're up.
0: Well, and that's what makes them so hard to defend too, because you can play such a such a good game you play a perfect game (laughs) through three and a half quarters and they can put it on you so quick and so explosive. It's just, it's tough, man. It's tough.
1: And Um, I'm, and I'm tired. I'm tired. This is the last time I'm going to say it on this podcast. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of Sean Clifford. I'm tired of the fact that you have seven degrees tired of the fact that you're teaching a class. I'm tired of the fact that you're, you're still out there turning the ball over and making plays six years on and five years of those as a starting quarterback. I love you, man. I, I appreciate what you've done, but it's time to go. Just put in, yeah. Drew, season's over. We lost the two big games of the year. Just put in the freshman and let's ride.
0: And that's, that's what you have to do because otherwise with the transfer portal, there's a really good chance he decides to pack up and leave. I don't think that's going to happen, but you have a stretch here and it might suck to have to bench the guy who spent six years there but, you know, they gave him every opportunity and you were in a chance to win. And look, I don't even put that. I mean, you put up 31 points against Ohio State. It's obviously not enough, but you did do it. You gave yourself a chance. And that's the thing with a guy like Sean Clifford is he, he might be good enough to give you a chance. But he's probably not going to be good enough to get you those wins in, in tough situations. Um, elsewhere in college football, Tennessee, I cannot wait tennessee and georgia to play um oh is that that
1: game's gonna be electric
0: i don't think that's since two week. weeks two it? weeks yeah no it's it's no it's this weekend
1: oh my god i know Eleven. where i'm gluing myself on saturday
0: <laughs> yeah i uh i'll be at a wedding so if i miss this and i miss game seven of a world series um which we'll get to that in one second that would suck um mm. But yeah. yeah, well,
1: careful, buddy. You're in a relationship now. That's that's part of the deal.
0: Yes, that's true. No question. Um, needless to say, <laughs> though, I will have a portable charger in my bag so I can uh, watch as much of this on my phone as possible. Um, but yeah, that game's going to be unreal because this this Tennessee offense is sick. Um,
1: yeah, Hen and Hooker's pretty good,
0: but playing at Georgia is going to be really, really tough. That's gonna that's gonna be a tough game. But they, then again, the Kentucky's got a good defense and they walloped Kentucky. Uh and then Bama also has a huge game this week too at LSU at Death Valley. I've a feeling we're going to see a little bit of uh a little bit of chaos here this week in college football. So everybody stay oh, tuned. Tag us. Real quick, World Series Friday night electric factory of a game. Holy shit, Phillies come back from a 5-nothing deficit. That um, was so fun. <laughs> there was an absurd stat where like Verlander in his career was uh, 99-0 and when he had a five-run lead and was pitching. And the first time in his career that his team lost when he was pitching and had a five-run lead at some point. Um, The extra innings, JT Ramuto hits the game. The Phillies did what they had to do. They took one in Houston. Now, I am Mm -hmm. terrified as as, as the time we're recording this now. We still have a few hours before first pitch. Um, Definitely worried about that but um
1: do know your the, part you don't the be- you can win both at home you don't need to but you got zach wheeler on the bump tonight no we don't oh he pitched the other night yeah, yeah sorry and he got shot even which, that was a good which game.
0: Which, which scared me <laughs> i mean they were down five nothing again and they put up a couple of runs late um shorber hit a hit a, a, a home run that was originally called a home run but then took it off because it was very clearly foul um but they only took it off after he had ran the bases which was you know, whatever. Um, but they kept themselves in it. And that's the one thing with this Phillies team is they're going to be in games. Cindergard is pitching game three. And then I, th- I, I, which they've had to use Suarez a couple of times, which is why, um, which I don't love the idea of Cindergard getting on the bump, but the last time he pitched in the series against the Braves, he did a good job. So, uh, he's going to have to be dialed in. The bank has to be loud, uh, and they need to get some offense going. We need a Reese Hoskins home run. Um, Not going to get into the fact that it was very obvious that the pitcher for the Astros was cheating. Um, that's cool. He had multiple different gloves that he pulled out. He also, uh, there was about four or five different clips circulating around of him wiping stuff off of his hands, but it's cool. Don't worry, the Astros can just cheat and get away with it. That's fine. Also, one of their players using an illegal bat that's been outlawed for 13 years. (laughs) That's cool. No worries. Just keep cheating. Um, cheating is part of baseball. I get it. If you don't get caught, you. It's not cheating. That's how baseball is kind of operated. Uh, but they did what they had Just to don't do. Don't bang
1: on a garbage can. <laughs>
0: yeah, they did what they had to do. They took a game in Houston, and now they're going back to Philly. And the, I'll say this too. The Astros have played World Series against the Nationals. Um, who? Who is the, uh, the Dodgers? And Dodgers, yeah. The Braves. Yeah. And none of those environments are going to be even close even when they have played the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, not even close to what the bank's going to be like in these three games. Game three is a must win. You're either going to be feeling really sorry for me listening to this right now or really happy for me, and I'm hoping it's the latter. So go Phillies. Let's get this shit done. Uh, that's yes. it. That's it go for the Phils. pod. Go Phils. The Titans. It's It was weird this week, like watching football and kind of being like, it's not that I didn't care about the Eagles, but like my mind was on baseball. And so, like all I oh, wanted, I get that. all I wanted on Sunday was like shit. Pump the Steelers, and let me focus on baseball again. That's all I wanted, um, and that's what they did. So Phillies, it's your turn. Bryce Harper home run tonight. Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins both go yard tonight. That's my prediction, mm. uh, and the Phillies win in like a seven to seven to six, seven to five game, uh, with using a lot of arms from the bullpen. That's my official prediction. All right. That's yeah, all if I you get four
1: the- solid out of uh four solid out of Cindergaard, you're gonna be in good shape.
0: Well, the last time they pitched him, they used him as like a like a I think he only pitched three innings. He was like the opener, like an extended opener where he pitched yeah. the first three innings and then good enough. moved on. But <laughs> if I get get Cindergaard out of the first inning without any runs, and I'll feel a lot better. That's that's my biggest fear is Dashers come in and put up like two or three runs in the first inning, and it kills the energy in the ballpark before the Phillies even get the bat. That's my fear. So get Cindergaard in and out of the first inning. And with no runs, and I think the Phillies go on to win. 7-5, Phil's win. Harper and Hoskins go to the yard. Uh, and we'll see where we go from there. Uh, everyone, thank you for listening. Read Option Pod. We will talk to you guys on Friday, hopefully with, a, uh, with the Phillies being world champions because they're going to sweep the next three games. Um, and we usually record on Thursday. So your boy may or may not, if the Phillies have a chance to win Wednesday night, I will be going up to Philly. To see if they can close it out But we got game three first So I'm not getting ahead of myself Either way the pulse. <laughs> I want to be there dude I was in I was in Harrisonburg when the Eagles won But then I got to go to the parade I won't be able to go to the parade if they win But I want to be in Philly when they win So let me get that experience I want to be out in the street with the crazies uh, Because that's what being Philly is all about man. So we will talk to you guys on Friday Have a wonderful week And as always Take it easy everybody.